Gamecast. I'm Dan. I'm Steve. Tyler. Brian. And I'm Mac. And this is episode 10. Woo! <laughs> the, the, the DECA episode. We are it so is. ready. If you're still De- listening, the DECA thank episode. You. Welcome to the Ots. By all accounts, episode 10 for a podcast is kind of an event. It's kind of when people we start made paying it. attention. Yeah. So we're still doing this. It's when people start taking you seriously. It's an order of magnitude. Thanks. Pop, pop. <laughs> but uh, pop, pop. we for episode ten we got a special episode ahead. We've been doing setting pieces, uh, breaking down fantasy, a lot and, of information, yeah, a lot of stuff. We're gonna do something a little more lighthearted this time. We're gonna talk about um, a little bit of gamer etiquette, maybe some specific situations, some protocol, uh, and some gamer superstitions. And we got a surprise for everybody at the end of the uh, at the end of the podcast. So stay tuned. But first, let's get start with our uh, what are we gonna call this thing? The weekly geeks. On the horizon. I thought oh, that's yeah, what we yeah, called yeah, it. Yeah. On, on the horizon. horizon. Right. Event horizon. Event, event horizon. horizon. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Mac, let's start with you. What do you got? It's on your event horizon. Yeah. <laughs> part of the ship, part of the crew. Wait, that was the wrong movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be the guy that went to see The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> You're not the only one. Well, no, but sometimes. I actually just went tonight. Did you really? Yes. Oh, man. What'd you think of it? Yeah, seriously. I loved it. Really? Yeah. yeah, I did too. I think it had some problems. There were some issues, the second but one. But I bought in. I mean, I liked it too. Yeah, I bought in too. If you, quick, was let's do a real quick best. thing here. If you had to rank them, or which one would you like the most, and which one did you like the least out of the three movies? From most like to least like, two, three, one. Two, three, one? Yeah. And I liked one just fine, but two, three, one is what I have to say. Uh, probably same for me. Same for me. Probably same for most. Two, one, three. One. You're a big uh, Liam Neeson <clears throat> fan, aren't you? I like two the best. And I'm about to break the whole thing. Mine goes, my favorite is one, two, three. I like the first one the best. Stay in front of the mic, would you? I like the first one the best. Don't yell into the mic. Just stay in front of it. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, Mac? Uh, They try to do an awful lot. Uh, There's echoes of a lot of comic book storylines you'll see if you know anything about Batman. Um, Overreaches a little, but it's a great romp if you're already a gamer fan. Brian, how about you? Well, recently, uh, if you're not aware, the biggest show on television is back on air, uh, Breaking Bad, AMC's Breaking Bad. Cool. Been watching it, uh, diehard fan, watched the new episode tonight. Uh, if you're not watching that show, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> stop not watching yeah, it. Yeah, st- stop and just go, because it is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Great television, great acting, cinematography, everything's awesome. And it's so easily accessible to people because of the first four seasons are on Netflix. Watch instantly. You can watch it on... I know you guys got that Netflix. You can watch it on your Xbox, your TV, your Blu-ray player, your computer. Your iPhone, your, your 3DS. Phone. Yeah, exactly. Your Wii. Anything. You got, it. you got one of those things. If they're listening to us, they've got one of those things. Yes, so. exactly. So... Go watch Netflix. If you haven't seen Breaking Bad, do yourself a favor and enjoy your like one of the coolest television programs ever made. All right. Tyler, what have you been doing? Let's see. Well, on the horizon, um, on Friday, um, the new Bourne movie comes out. I kind of want to see it. 
Just the one with um, Hawkeye in it, right? Yeah, it's yeah. got Hawkeye, yeah. Guy from Hurt Locker, Jeremy Renner or whatever. I think it'd be pretty cool. I like the Bourne movies, um, so that might be pretty interesting. What I've been doing recently, I actually recently uh, resubscribed to World of Warcraft, and we've been playing, uh, me and Brian have. Oh, yeah, I got and, the um, wild beard going on. Yeah, wild beard, <laughs> nice. You know, no showers. <laughs> Smell, too. Yeah, it's okay, though, because it's been a lot of fun. Um, we've been hitting it pretty hard, and actually we're going to be starting a Carpe GM Guild um so that's gonna that's what's gonna be on the uh maybe not immediate horizon but within the next couple of weeks look for and, that um so yeah definitely look for that um we play on the server tychondrius on alliance so if you're interested in joining then um we would love to invite you well I think, once what, we uh once we get that up and running we'll support it um on the website and such and then the forums and whatnot and we'll just make an announcement i don't know show. alliance oh and, get out of here yeah just alliance so, is fun dude it's just, got dwarves you know, just so people know, uh, in case they are listening to this and want to join up on Tychondrius with us, what is your character's name so that they can like like or friend request us? Once once the guild is up, they can search for the guild name. That's true. Under the friends tab. Yeah. Okay. Or the social tab. So we'll just go this, with that. I just kind of want to br- briefly touch base on that. Cool. So. Yeah. yeah, look for that. Coming soon. Carpe Geum. Wow Guild. Wow Guild. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun, you know. I mean, I, if you haven't played, the new sub- expansion's actually coming out next month, so that's also going to be... Is that next surprise. month, for real? Yeah, it's next month. So, All right, well, uh, we'll, try to get, uh, we'll try to get up and running before then. Yeah. I don't play WoW, so it's going to be kind of your baby, or, you know, the community's baby, but I don't really have time. All right, Steve, what do you got? Uh, we already covered WoW, Breaking Bad, and Dark Knight, so what do you got left? Yeah. Uh, I got a new board game called Fortress America, and it's pretty fun. It's actually a reprint, sort of reboot, remake, whatever you want to call it, of an old uh, series that Milton Bradley put out back in, I want to say, like the mid-80s. And it was their, uh, this line of games Milton Bradley put out, those like big box titles that they were trying to like encourage people to get into bigger games and whatever just not just risk and stuff over and over again but it's uh you someone plays as america and the map is actually just america and they've they have some of the states uh borders like sectioned out like the mississippi and the rockies and the appalachian mountains and all that right and there's three invasion zones where either one person controls all three or uh one person controls one of the three uh, invader invader invading forces. So it's America, which is one player, and uh, defending against three other players. And it's it's pretty fun. I've played it two times already, and I've only had it for like a week. But, Very cool. Yeah. How's the replay replayability on this thing? Uh, is it just a I'd strategy? S- type? I'd say it's good. Yeah. I mean, I'd say it's good. It. It has cards and stuff. Cards, okay. so I mean, it it's gonna be pretty similar every time. But it's right. one of those games because it's it's one of those things where it's like once you figure it out and like figure out how how it works. Really, I mean, it's just like a matter of you have to go for it and do that every time. But I, I enjoyed it. The two times I played it, it's been really. It's kind of interesting because of the whole like the map is actually America. It's not like cool. Fake. Well, you'll have to so. hurry up and you know play the shiny off of it so that we can yeah. we can borrow it and then review it all right well um on my horizon i've been uh, watching a lot of the geek and sundry channel lately on youtube that is um particularly tabletop great yeah, show i'm subscribed I actually yeah i've been watching weeks. it i really like it yeah the the past couple of episodes uh they've been covering fiasco 
Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. They did one episode of the setup and one episode of the actual gameplay. It's great, great game. But uh, Will Wheaton, I really want to play. Is the show that's is the Will Wheaton? Will Wheaton <laughs> does a really good job. It's usually him and uh, some random gaming geek celebrities of some sort yeah, sitting down great. and playing. Tabletop Hasn't Felicia games. Day been on a couple episodes? Yeah, yeah it's, it's actually the the Geek and Sundry channel. I'm pretty sure is just hers. Google decided they wanted more money, and they were going to pour some money into YouTube broadcasting. So yeah. smart idea. That's where stuff's going. Yeah, it's, it's surprisingly really well done for like a web series. It's really high production. Yeah, you know? and there's there's I guess what is it five or six shows on that on that uh, channel. Yeah, I haven't yeah. watched anything other than tables. Yeah, check them out. They're all yeah. pretty good. Um, so that's what that's what I've been looking at lately is the Geek and Sundry channel. So anybody who hasn't checked that out, it's time. Interwebs. Um, a, a little bit of a disclaimer about the episode tonight. We've tried to record this episode twice in my previous recording utility. Didn't work? No. Garbage. Yeah. And we week before last, we tried bypassing a bunch of stuff, and the, the interface that goes into my computer wound up looking like a Cthulhu monster. Ooh. And Well, we call it the underwater. It's because it <laughs> yeah, sounds it was, like we're like... <laughs> so, <laughs> so everything was garbled, and, and it's just regardless of everything that's happened previously... We're using new utilities. We've got some new new hardware. We've got some new stuff going. So pardon if there is any discrepancy in the editing between these past two episodes because I've never used this before. Carpegium 2.0? Yeah, we'll give it a shot. Uh, by all accounts, this should be a pretty good uh, program. We're using Cubase AI now, uh, which is a professional-style recording. Carpegium THX. <laughs> <laughs> about to watch Star Wars. Let's get excited. Well, with that being said, we'll um, we'll move right on into our topic, if you guys don't mind. Let's truck it. it. We'll start with gamer etiquette. I know it sounds like an oxymoron, but yeah. gamer <laughs> etiquette. Uh, this is just the random little stuff that you do within your own games at your own house or wherever it is you play that either are... Politeness. Yeah, polite to the GM or the players or, or something like that. Or... For example, when you host a game, you may be the GM, you may not be the GM. What do the other people in your groups do? Do they bring food? Do they bring snacks? Do they bring drinks? You know, something? If, if you're giving them the place to play, what? Where I play, <clears throat> Hunter, on, uh, actually, before we record here, uh, uh, three of us, uh, there are six people in the group, and three of us live there, and three of us are guests. At the house, the same house we play at every time. The GM lives with a, a couple that uh, own the house, and the other three of us we we coordinate, we rotate. Uh, somebody brings food, somebody brings drink, uh, somebody supplements, or has a week off, and we consider that like recompense for allowing us to use the place pretty regularly. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, um, I think it's a really good idea just to you know allow everyone to have. You know, whatever refreshments they need on hand. I don't know if anybody else is like a consumption junkie like I am, but like whenever I'm playing or doing anything, I pretty much need like something to drink, be it, you know, water or soda or whatever. So if you 
food in your games? Does food distract you from the games if you're playing and oh, you have no. a big pizza sitting on the table? Because it distracts the oh, well, bejesus yeah. out of me. I mean, if you're, yeah, if you're going to plop the pizza right down in the middle of the table, it's just like, uh, and, and just like it's, it could be really distracting. Like, but oh, it's yeah. something like off As the my side, guy walks you know? into the dungeon, I'm grabbing a slice of pie. Right. You know? It would. It kind of ruins immersion. But if you have like a bag of chips off to the side, yeah, I don't think it's going to Crackling drives me nuts. Okay, so yeah. Well, uh, maybe you're a little bit more neurotic than yeah, most. I, I think I am. Now, where where I play our campaigns normally a little disjointed, like our our play group has side conversations sometimes right. and that sort of thing. Um, not all the time is it like that. It it kind of depends. But we normally try to pick foods that are more accommodating toward you know people across the table. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Lasagna quattro formaggio stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Drinking tea with your pinkies. No out. one can resist four my cheese. four cheese lasagna. Yeah, yeah no one can. <laughs> Sometimes no. I serve like uh, bacon wrapped, uh, like flaming yon. Bacon wrapped <laughs> water chestnuts <laughs> yeah. with flaming yon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to the Carpe Gene Cooking Cast. I'm Dan. I'm McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm Chef Ray. Well, but 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 no. Uh, that said, sometimes like we get hammered and yeah. the campaign kind of falls apart. <laughs> yeah, how about that? How much does anybody not allow alcohol in their campaigns? Because that's like the supplement for us. Like, I mean, we're older-ish. We're in our 20s, most of us. And most of the time, it's bring your books, bring a dice, and bring a beer. Like We've I, talked about know your players. And if you're, gonna, if you're thinking about drinking, I think it's important to know them drunk, too. Because everybody's different sorts of drunks. Well, the the thing with well, not that you should be drinking to the point of excess, but <laughs> thanks there, PSA. Jesus. <laughs> All right, so we know who we're not the, playing with. The the thing for me is if if I've, I'm a busy guy, so yeah. I set aside blocks of time to play, um, and nearly any distraction or anything that takes away from that experience instantly just lights my wick. I just get angry. So. When I had more time playing, yeah, that's fine. The food, the drink, the booze, whatever. Everybody having fun. But nowadays, if I'm getting together with a game group, I don't want it to fall apart because some guy had too many, you know, Zimas. Somebody, Some guy still had Zimas. You'd be dead. Because they'd be like... Yeah, they're super <laughs> old, thirty years old. Yeah. No, they, they made the last. They made them in the nineties. So. They made the last one like they're four like, years ago. They're like Dunkaroos <laughs> and Zimas. So, so that's my that's my thing on it. But there's, I've seen it from both sides of the coin. There's definitely a place for it in gaming. I mean, it's gaming. You're there to have fun. If that's how your group has fun, that's that's the way you do it. There's no wrong way to go about it. Uh, just depends it's on what you're looking. Alcohol to get. accelerate your life. Just depends on what you're looking to get from your game. I guess. It's, it, there are obviously ways and different things you can use to supplement, you know, the experience. And though not all of them should maybe be mood altering, right? So how about um, how about your character sheets? Who takes them? You take your own? No, you know what? I kind of have a problem with this because usually I'm the DM and I hang out with a lot of people and play with a lot of people who are lazy. No. Yeah, they're lazy. <laughs> and I'm, I'm lazy. I'm, I I also am lazy. So this this is why it bothers me. <laughs> At the end of the, almost every session, I get a stack about this high of character sheets. This high this being high like radio speak, a couple inches, about this high. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Everybody, take your take your uh, subjective group of players and and yeah, yeah exactly. It. Go ahead, you get a stack of this high. Yeah, you you get this high. So anyway, and I got to take them home. And my only problem, I don't mind doing that at all, not at all. But the only thing is, is I 
I am as equally lazy and completely disorganized. And I'm gonna, I may or may not lose your character sheet. And how <laughs> mad are you going to be when you show up next week and I go, I don't have your character. Make a new one. Ooh. Well, that's mean. <laughs> that is pretty mean. Well, what am I going to do? I don't have it. I lost it. I don't know. Okay. Binder. Well, you know what? If the odds are that you would lose it, the odds are that everybody would, like, anybody could lose the character sheet. It doesn't matter who takes it or who's responsible for it. A good idea that I've found that kind of solves the solution is... If the GM has all of them, he has the potential of losing all of them at the same time. That is true. At least everybody's got to make If you play at a designated spot every week, i.e. somebody's house or a comic book store, usually if you go to your comic book store every week to play... D&D, they know you and know who you are and play, like, understand that you play D&D, they will let you leave your character sheets there in the back room or the DM's house or whoever's house is hosting. Just leave them somewhere. Put them in a cabinet, you know? Where I play, they have a dedicated gaming table in the basement. We just just walk away from our character sheets and and they'll be there when we come back. Yeah, Yeah. we got got cats and stuff that's that's not surviving it. Well, they got cats put them, too, in, a, but it's put them in a box. Put them in a. Cold. I'm not putting my cats in a box. Oh, God. They never make it. <laughs> no, the character sheets. Just a bunch of people. Okay. Though on the note of of playing and taking advantage of a, a game store as a play space, buy books. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Don't walk up to the shelf and and leaf it open and read it and then That's set it up. I really don't think I've ever... That would be a violation. I don't think I really have ever turned run You know, it comes up more in tabletop games. In the tabletop like a games... Role, play, like a Warhammer go, or something. Warhammer. If yeah. I'm going to go Hammer buy guys. a book... Yeah. You know, the books are expensive. I'm going to go buy a book. I don't you want can, something that's been monkey-pawed through and the no. spine's cracked mm-hmm. and the page is dog-eared because this guy can't buy his own book. I don't want to mess that's with that. Really but point, that yeah. doesn't go it's to the... As far as you can't look at it before you buy it. Not at all. But, I mean, if you're using it as a resource in a game, I mean... yeah. I'm not even saying that you that if you're the sort of person who I'm talking to that you would be bad to the books. I'm not saying that you would put make them in bad condition, but uh, if you're at the sort of store where they don't, where they're not shrink wrapping the books, you need to not. It's you know a magazine stand is not a library. Right. You're supposed to the, the books are there for you to consume after purchasing. Not, especially in a gaming store, it's a limited market place yeah. where they're selling yeah. you things that you really don't need. Oh yeah, if your gaming like, store is also a comic book shop, you should probably already know this rule. You yeah. Do not Stand there and read the and read an entire comic book. Yeah, no, yeah. without yeah. buying it. With taking your character sheets home, though, like I, I just said, I walk away from my character sheet. Yeah. But I like having the option of taking it home because I like to work on my character sheet at home. Yeah, that's a, that's a good thing. I, I, even if I don't have to work on my character sheet by leveling up or anything I like, like looking that, at it, I like to rewrite it. Usually, I don't like running a hole in the paper with the eraser and and having uh, my my character's equipment all out of sorts in there. I like planning out my next level. Like I like going through a lot of books and looking at my character sheet really hard and thinking a lot about that is so much fun. Just diving into the thousands of supplements. I get a feet next level. Let me get, there's only a couple of those, right? Nope. (laughs) There's actually a sense of accomplishment. Like, I love seeing how one week my um, my HP is like forty, and then the next week is like forty four, and then you just think of what does that mean in terms of like combat and everything like that. It's just cool to look at. Yeah. So I like having it on hand because I fe- week to week I feel like you know you get more excited like the mounting you know part of having a character in an RPG. I would like for my players to be um, 
concerned enough to take their character sheets home so that they're still thinking about the game and thinking about the character away from the game table. I love that, too. Yeah, I never don't take home that character sheet. From the GM perspective, though, there is a risk of, you know, somebody making alterations to their character sheet, but if they're the sort of person who's going to do that, they might do it at the table anyway. Yeah, or fudge a roll. I'm not... Cheating in a game is kind of... What are you going to do about it? You Especially know? a role-play game where yeah. like, it's like a group experience and exactly. you're not supposed to be in competition with each yeah, other. You're totally. Somebody who's trying to win an RPG is doing it wrong. <laughs> you're pulling yeah. something from somebody else at the table for sure. Yeah, We know a couple yeah. of people. We like do that. know a couple people. And like you said, fudge and dice rolls. Yeah, fudge and dice rolls is the big one. Like when, especially That's a good when, one too. Especially when you see somebody's hand in front of the dice and it's like, the oh, I'm trying to catch it. Like, no, you're not. That was a two and you said 14, you know? So do you just like... Give the guy next to him. All right, it's your job to confirm the no, roles of the guy. No, there has right. to be a level of transparency. <laughs> like if they're not sprawled out all over the table in the middle of a dice roll, then well, well this then potentially comes into. How do you feel about? It doesn't about... matter. It doesn't matter. The whole idea of the role playing game, in, in my sense, is everybody getting together and have fun. If that guy over there, the only way to have fun is to lie about his dice rolls, then so be it. Like well, that's... I guess, as, I guess as long as it's not affecting someone else's, it really game, shouldn't. I guess. It, sh- it shouldn't. Unless... There's a lot of games where it could, but. I guess as long as it's not, you know, he's the one's got to sleep at night. With exactly, it. it's really not going to affect you as a DM, and that's well, where I'm coming from. Most of my my points are going to be from as a DM. It would like, be more of a mar- mechanical issue than a storytelling issue. Then. Exactly. Well, that brings up the point of uh, GM screens. What What do you think about GM screens? Do you, I usually use GM, one every time. G- yeah. Do you use a screen? Do you roll behind it? Do you just use it to hide your notes? Do you uh, Paizo, Pazio, Press, whatever Paizo, Paizo, uh, the guy, the people who make Pathfinder, they yeah. put out a Pathfinder GM screen, right. and it is amazing, a great like, utility. It ha- like, most it's not good, just to hide your rolls. Right, because, most good systems have a lot of good information that you oh, man. the shorthand on the back of the GM. It's screen. It's everything you'd need. At all for your campaign, basically. Like, all the goofy rules where you'd have to go, like, oh, go to page 332 to look at chart B. You know, like, it's on the thing. Obviously, a GM screen is a great, like, shorthand note thing. It's got a lot of basic information for mechanics of a game. And it also hides your notes because, obviously, players shouldn't be able to see a GM's notes because it's like looking at, it's like knowing the future. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But rolling behind it. How do you feel about that? Should rolls be public? I think think they should be private. Private? GM yeah, at least be GM private. rules. Because yeah. there's yeah. this whole thing of you you know that like, GM for instance, you see an private. orc and they're wearing armor and you can be told how much armor they're wearing and it, like if they're wearing chainmail. If you have enough knowledge of the game, and this is meta knowledge, the, and it's completely uh, plausible that your character would just automatically know this because it's like one of the realities of the world they're in, but you would know basically what an AC value is based on the fact that they're the 19 told to be wearing. The 19 didn't hit you know, on your yeah. 20. Well, no, but based on that, you're told that it, that they're wearing chainmail, but you can't see the actual number. So then there's, do you see your own rolls and know and know whether they're succeeding or failing based on your on the GM comparing it to a hidden armor class? I think there's a time and place for behind the screen and in front of the screen. Um, for me, for instance, um, the rolls that are made behind the screen. If there's a let's even for even for players, sometimes I'll make rolls for players behind the GM screen, like a hear noise check. Um, I don't want you to know whether you actually passed your DC or not, because if I tell if you if you have that knowledge, then what I say carries a different weight for you as a character in with meta knowledge. In that, if you failed your roll and I tell you you don't hear anything at the door, 
you think, okay, well, there could still be something at the door. I failed my role. If you've passed your role and I tell you you don't hear anything at the door, the character is now certain that there's nothing at the door. Let's proceed as planned. And so I'll make players, I'll make uh, some subjective roles behind the GM screen for the players. Um, also, I think any role that is potentially character killing yeah. should be out in the mm -hmm. open. I have no problem rolling most of my roles behind my screen. That's a matter of GM to player trust. I, but uh, I think if there's going to be a, a role, if you've got one role and it, could, it comes down to this one shot, I'm going to put it out in front of everybody every time. I guess the I guess the caveat to that would be is if you don't want there to be a chance that the party somebody in the party is going to die here, you roll behind the screen and fudge the role as the GM, and you have that power. But I'm just usually of the opinion that if it doesn't matter, I'm not rolling dice for it anyway. If I I think. Uh all character uh, roles that players do should be in the open because right. potentially a miscast could kill a player in some games. Unless, of course, there's some situation where the players are against each other. Maybe you could hide them then. Yeah, that because I've seen, like I saw Brian roll two ones in a row on a miscast and I killed him, basically. Yeah. And it's some it's things like that where it's like you couldn't be rolling for, I mean, why would you, I'm, I don't understand why you would be rolling for a cast in the first place for a player. But. I think like with combat, you will generally know how well or not well you And there's a lot the of sword, skills you know? like that. You know if you're moving silently or not. Oh, yeah. A, you're going to hear it. You know if your spell works right or not. A jump check. You're, you're, you're standing in front of a bar or a fence, let's say, trying to jump over this fence. Standing jump or jump up to grab a bar maybe. Um, you know how close you came. So there's no reason to hide that role, but I think there are some times when perhaps you should. Okay. The one thing I, I kind of wanted to say while we were on this topic is I, I'm almost always a GM. Or, right. You know, I, I, I usually I fulfill that role. I'm, I'm pretty much always the GM lately anyway, too. Yeah. So about that, I've kind of developed some techniques as a GM. And my number one advice to anybody who's being, who wants to be a GM or anything like that is my number one tool is I'm a really good liar. <laughs> uh, and if you can get people to believe that you have more things thought out, and then they—if it's a theater of the mind, like I, it, I'm pretty sure that most people just call that improv GMing. Yeah, well, I am the master <laughs> at that. Anyway, at some point in times, I use the GM screen as a tool, as in I'll just pick up dice randomly and just start rolling them. And then, like, for, like, absolutely no reason, just start picking up dice and rolling them and stuff. And my players will be like, what's he rolling dice for? What's happening? What's going on? I'll be like, now, now nothing do you happens. Do that? Do you and then do now that? people are on their toes because they're like, he made a spot check. He made a he made a, a smooth silently check. Now let me he, ask you this. Do you do that because you your characters play in the meta area of gaming? Or are you trying to instill some sort of... Mm, awareness or dread for the players at the table that a might little come of, through their A little of both. Characters. I know most of my characters do metagame because I know the character, the people who I play with own the books, right. have read the books, know how the system works, and they're not... They, they, they understand when a dice is getting rolled, something is happening. Okay. So, but the other thing is, is that on the same side of the tree there, it's like exactly instilling that same sort of like fear and like so you're putting paranoid the, you're like putting the players like, oh, on edge to try more. to get the characters feeling a little more stress or 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 even or like, just to get them to role play that maybe y yes yeah. like like my, some of my favorite times doing it is like if they're having a conversation 
with a car- with another NPC, and the NPC is like, you know, go and find this. I lost my cat, you know, like a lot. And then I roll a dice, and they're like, is he lying about that cat? <laughs> like, like is he is that cat really a bomb? Like, some- grandma with the cat is suddenly super sinister. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, but not to them. So now they start treating this person differently because I'm- I rolled some dice. I'm like, thinking. All right, man, where's that cat? What kind of cat is it? You know, like, I'm thinking maybe we just need to do an episode on gamer logic. It doesn't make any sense. It makes it <laughs> makes perfect sense if you understand it. It's paranoid as heck. Yeah, it's yeah. very paranoid. So yeah, let's let's put that one in the pocket. I'm we just make- saying that's how that's why I use a GM screen mode. Like that's a good a, a nice reason why I use one. Well, you wouldn't need a GM screen for that. Well, I guess you would. Yeah, for you, the hiding of the rolls. Yeah, the roll would have to be high or low, and they'd have to not know whether exactly, it was like yeah. one, one or the other. So talking about meta, how about uh, table talk? How do you feel about table talk at your games? You got to have it. There's some. Always. Forever. There will always be There will always be table talk. It seems unavoidable. And like, you know, like, I guess curse words are just like, you know, contemporary language that we would use in 2012 as opposed to uh, whenever okay, the fantasy campaign was set. You know, you don't talk in real life the same way that your characters would talk right well what about what um, up bro where's the quest g pretty much like yeah yeah yeah, dude you need to make that roll dude like or the queen's english go back the from whence thou came (laughs) (laughs) but the position of pcs in a dungeon how do you feel about do you want them talking strategy between the two of them if they're in different rooms in the dungeon and whatnot are you going to be that gm that's like you're not there you know, you can't say that. Or no. are you just rolling with it because this I, is the way your players want to have fun here? I mean, part of that is like, let's say a character is in front of a puzzle and someone who's not in the room, not looking at the puzzle. He's like, you figure it out like this. Like, yeah, it yeah. starts telling them how to solve it. I, I need that guy to shut up. Yeah. Okay. Like, I agree. So you just quick, hey. Though. You're not there. Though. Line. You're not there. <laughs> <laughs> though we've talked GM before rage. about role playing your own intelligence versus your character's intelligence. Right. And a good role player, it shouldn't matter if somebody else is telling them they, they should role play what th- their own character's ability to figure that out rather than their own personal ability to figure right. that out. I agree with so, that. So, like, ignore them? <laughs> hey, the, yeah. the, the key word is uh, cat. Ignore ignore oh what? i i'm gonna figure this out it's like <laughs> well we, we normally go we normally go with uh the character is less intelligent than the than the player but yeah. if the character is more intelligent than the player it's possible that they their role play would actually be assisted by someone else telling them how the puzzle would be figured out i was listening to um gosh i cannot remember the podcast i was listening to I, i've listened to so many but um for the concept of uh a person playing someone who who's a person playing a character who is above the person's intelligence they would uh use a mechanic like a knowledge check or something like that and then allow the other players at the table to discuss the problem at hand combining the minds to portray the one intelligent mind at the table i would love to role play that as someone who had like a like a multiple personality, a multiple personality, or a or a mental construct that was like the, the jury from Superman Two, like guilty. <laughs> yeah, all, all the heads up above me, and I'm like I'm standing down in the room, and suddenly it gets suddenly it's black behind me, and I'm all I'm all by myself, but it's because I'm concentrating on what I'm thinking of, and there's all these floating heads talking to me. I'll never forget. That's uh, my next character. For a thousand, <laughs> I'll never forget when we were playing Fourth Edition, and you had this 
the dumbest spell ever. You ask it a question, it's like oh, a yeah. hand, it's like a hand of God that it, comes down. It, it was and, hand and, of fate or whatever. Hand yeah. of, and, and, and it comes down, and it's you ask it just a, a yes hand. or no question, and it, the, it, it's it, not even a yes or no question. You can ask it any question, but it can only answer with the hand. Yeah, so it's like. It gives you, like, if you say yes, point here. If you want no, point here. You know, something yeah, like that. Yeah, I have to ask, like, these super qualified questions. Dude, we would spend hours trying to figure out what Mac was going to ask to these, these yeah. dumb hands. Like, I, I had some ability to let me do it, like, once a day, and I'd just be like, I don't know if that's the bad guy. Should I hey, eat hand chocolate? Or... <laughs> point at the bad guy. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty funny. But there was some... I could... It, I, it led to some conversations about how much God knows. It really which did. It was weird. It really did. But the thing is, is also like other players were like, what is going on here? Like, yeah. you know, like, and you know, as a GM, you kind of kind of have to handle that. Too. I'm pretty sure at one point somebody told me the hand flips me the bird. <laughs> that's that's kind of funny. All right. So along with table talk, how about arguments? What do you do? Do you, if a player is arguing with the GM or two players are arguing over something and it's not in character? If two players are arguing in character, I'm let it go. I'm gonna sit back and eat some Cheetos. The and players get <laughs> angry, and then I do. That means they are fully immersed <laughs> in their characters. I mean, I'm down. But what about mechanics arguments or position arguments or a character who a player who didn't understand the description of something or what about most that? of the time? It's like people who aren't paying attention. I think a few of these are on the GM. A mechanics argument should obviously be ended by the GM. Yeah, that's right. true. And then, like, the somebody down. who didn't understand the, the, a description of something, like, for instance, for instance, the GM describes some room or whatever, and and it's part of how to get past this room is in the description of it. But then some player misunderstood and starts going about it the wrong way, and the other player starts describing to them how, oh no, you got this wrong. It looks like that. You know what I'm talking. He said no. He said that. that was a failure of the GM to describe the place in the first place. Okay. Or just ignorance on the player to understand it. I just think that, like, no matter what, those kind of arguments need to be um, snuffed out as soon as possible because I think they take away from immersion and just the fun of the game, like, in every instance. Okay. If it's an argument about whatever else, this becomes kind of a complex, like, social thing because it's like, what is your position amongst your friends? And being a GM makes you sort of an authority in the game, but when you step out of the game for a second, like... For instance, sorts of our, we we talked before that there are there are role playing role players who are trying to win, whatever that means, like whatever right. winning is in a role playing game, as opposed to experiencing something through the eyes of another being somewhere. Yeah, or just making your way through a story, or right. You know, sometimes people want to be the dumbest character and like that they role play the dumbest character as dumbly as they can. They have a great time, but some people are trying to do the most damage or kill the most numbers of monsters. We won. We beat D and D. Right. You exactly. won the internet. We can't play anymore. We just beat D and D. No replay. No, no replayability here. We're in the yeah, books. there's there's no replay value in D and D, but it is thousands of hours of playtime. time. <laughs> so when there's somebody who's trying to win D and D. You you can get arguments over like, you know, because they'll fairly often screw over another player right. because they're that if you're competing against anyone, you're competing against your fellow players. Yeah. Um, and that can start arguments at the table. And first of all, you should try to not have a player play that way. But that's sometimes out of a GM's hands. Everybody then, in the group talk to him or just the GM? I don't I don't know how you fix it. Yeah. I, 
Well, there's two, and, and when and when that argument starts, I don't know how you stop that either. It's probably situational. Like I said, that's that's where you're an authority in the game, but you're not necessarily an authority between your friends. What so. about the host of the the game, whoever's house you're in? Mm, it's is mainly it falls on the GM. Okay. Might just go back to the trust between the GM and the game group if they're going to be like a. But what if this is a new group and you haven't established that trust yet? All how often do people really play with new groups? To be honest, you know, well, you're... it depends on who formed the group. I think. Yeah, it could be you could be that one guy who doesn't know everybody else, right? And in that case, if it was the GM who invited you and everybody else, they're probably the one who's responsible for making sure that that social group works because they put it together. Okay, yeah, I so know. It just goes back to trust. I I've think. said this before, but there's, in my opinion, two types of D and D players. You got D and D regular players and then criers. <laughs> and criers are the people who seem to incite arguments every time. They are the people who kind of seem like they're trying to just make things difficult for the DM and the other players, and you can kind of catch on those pretty easily. I've had a couple. I've dealt with uh, a bunch of them before, and the best way to kind of deal with criers is to let them cry. Uh, just let the, you know there's not really much you can do about it uh, other than handle it the best as you can w- with your abilities as a GM. And try to make them happy, but most of the time, a so what a are they trope? Cr- a trope about those kind of people is you really can't make them happy. But what do you, it depends on what they're crying about. If they're <sighs> crying because they're not doing something with their, their character, character, isn't as powerful as the other people. Well, then you maybe know, you like, need to look into that situation. Well, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. But it was your fault when they, their fault when they made the character. Or it can be people. There's who, a there's a good question in that too. Who makes the characters? Do you make characters with the GM, or do you just allow people to show up at the table with characters? Most made? of the time, people just show up. Okay. I've so played now, campaigns though where the key, the the GM themselves just made the characters. Now the what you're talking about here could be a direct result of the GM not being involved enough in the character creation. That's true too. So it's really easy, even with a point by system or any any other method of creating a character. To for a player who's kind of creating their character in a vacuum to create a, to create something that is completely on a different power level than other people in the game, so you wind up with this diverse vision of their characters with no concept of how they work together or why they're together or anything like that because they were all created in a vacuum. When you come across something like that, usually as a GM, first couple three sessions. We're playing a brand new character. I'm gonna allow you to move stuff around. We're changing things yeah. around. We're we're sliding stats different. You know, we're optimizing a little differently so that you can get used to the way that you're playing the character, particularly in say a new system. See, my uh, my my only thing is like like you're talking about characters. Yes, as they can be a problem, as with power creep and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But really, like the thing that is super difficult to handle with these kind of people is. The fact that they have an idea in their head of what their characters should be doing or what they want to be doing, and it completely derails your story as a GM or a DM, or completely derails the other players having fun. And at that point, you can't tell them no because you're officially just going after what they think. Well, I agree with you on one of those two points. Um, my story as a GM comes second to the player's characters. I'm not saying I'm not saying that you shouldn't. However, if it. someone's attitude about their character and motivations is impeding someone else's ability to have fun around the table, then there's an issue. 
but I'll adapt my story or just tear it up and throw it out. I if, will too. If the players want to go in a specific direction, it's just it, about the players as a group instead of that one toxic gamer, I guess. No, if it's a, if it's a bona fide toxic gamer, then you may just need to give them the boot. I mean, if you're in small town Nowheresville and there's five gamers in the whole it's town and they're all the in your group, yeah. maybe you don't want to give them the boot. I understand that. In which case, maybe you're going to have to dig a little deeper and let me give you like an example of what I'm talking about, just so you can kind of see where I'm coming from. Sure. Okay. Say you're on a quest. Here, you got you guys are on a quest for a dwarf, for a dwarf, and he's like, "Go find this ring." Okay. And you go into this mine, and you find this ring, and it's got some magical property. Well, the rest of the group goes, "We should turn in this ring and get the reward." Well, you got that one person in your group who's like, "The ring's mine. What are you gonna do about it? You gonna fight me? We gonna start player versus player right now? You wanna roll some dice?" Like that guy is obviously just. Now, I think the question comes in with, is this something this guy does regularly? Or oh, is, sure. Or yeah, is his character, tro- is he just playing a rogue? No. I think it's a trope of the the, the person who's playing. Well, again, I think that's that's all going to have to be on a situational thing. But You know your players. You know these people. You know, you know how they act. Put it in a bubble, though. Let's say that this has never happened before. This player's never done this before. This character's never done this before. This happens. What do you do? Um, that's a good question. I have to say that you work it out. I think as a GM, I'm going to gauge the reaction of the other players and see where it you goes. Can, okay, say they're obviously getting pissed off. The okay, rest of the players. Well, let me ask you this: Can the other four players take the one guy? Because I mean, if they take him out of the equation, they got the ring. Okay. They go turn in the rewards. Okay, so maybe you allow them to try to handle. it. You can just hands off it and let the characters pl- see where it's play it out. Go. To where okay, it, then do you want to handle with the other players just killed my characters? I don't want to play in your campaign anymore. Depends on the motivation, once again. I mean, if this is something where the player could seriously, feasibly be trying to roleplay his character, then maybe you got to step in, or maybe you uh, you talk to the other players, something along those lines. But if this guy's just trying to be belligerent and trying to roadblock the gameplay... That's what I'm talking about. Then, you know, kick him to the curb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, I think uh, one way you could sort of address people like that is to... Uh, make it known that you're going to be having trouble trying to continue the campaign if they're going to be that way. Right. So just be like, well, well, that's out of game after the session. <laughs> so, or so you know, you do. Like I'm like, I'm like, I'm having trouble uh, thinking of how I'm going to continue this campaign. If your demeanor is going to be like this, you know, for this session, and ask them for a concession, right? You, yeah. I'm having trouble. Uh, you know, I, I can't really see, the rest of the party having fun playing in this campaign if you're going to act like this right now. If the guy says, well, my character would take the ring, you work with him. If this is what he actually feels that his character would take this ring, maybe you as the GM need to work with him. Okay, this ring is going to cause some turmoil here. You know, you need to look at the situation. The other four guys in this party are considering taking up swords with you. Now, if that happens, you're going to be out of the character. You're going to be out of a character sheet for the rest of the session, we're an hour in, dude. Yeah, we you still know, got two more to go. What do you want to do for the next four hours? As opposed to, you tell me what concession your character would make to give up the ring. Where would that come in? How could the party help you as a player make a decision with your character? Yeah, if you can't if you can't just give them a solution, give them the opportunity to give you a solution. Right. Okay. And uh, I think another thing that could cause people to sort of have disagreements in a way is 
players that misinterpret the game or misinterpret uh what they can do and what's possible because when you describe D to people sometimes especially people who are new to it they think they can like play as a unicorn or like play as are you telling me you can't play as a unicorn i'm not saying that but <laughs> I, I mean there's people... I know some bronies who are going to be very disappointed yeah <laughs> <laughs> well i don't care i don't care about that but it's if there there's people who misinterpret <laughs> how the game flows and how it's played normally and how it's sort of like uh like the tropes and all that how people usually play the game and you tell them like well i'm sorry i can't really think of any way that you can do that right now just people who sort of like innocently misinterpret things not people who are deliberately trying to like well maybe those people, people off i think those won't be a problem for long right you know yeah there there are definitely both types there's yeah. the malicious type who one way or another is going to get themselves kicked to the curb but who knows maybe there's somebody's the people who roll 36 i you play know. with both so, yeah somebody's somebody's girlfriend you know yeah. <laughs> like that's you can't kick basic, them out yeah. that's kind of what i'm talking like getting at a little bit with yeah. that because usually it's like the girlfriend yeah. <laughs> he's like i want to play <laughs> yeah Right, and well, you're like, uh, dude, you uh, <laughs> dude, you can't kill my girlfriend. <laughs> but no, there's, there's. Uh, Listen, man, I don't know if it's gonna work out. <laughs> there's genuinely, there's genuinely interested players too who can misinterpret, innocently misinterpret stuff, and you can tell when they've done that because they're like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know. Right, there won't, there won't be a problem for long. There's definitely yeah. a distinction. And no. we, when we say kick him to the curb, if your girlfriend is the sort of player who, in a play group, has to be kicked to the curb. Might want to kick her. To the curb. <laughs> this is Welcome to relationship advice yeah, from four nerds. <laughs> so that kind of brings up. There's the... five people at this table. <laughs> yeah, you're right. There's only four nerds. Five people. <laughs> Which one of you is out? Which one of you is the crier? So that kind of brings us to uh, the next the next little one here. Touchy topics. Touchy. Touchy. Hot As button. In, yeah. Feely. Hot, that's a good one too. Um. You got a situation where you've got a woman gamer in the group. She's got a kid. She's kind of a mama bear. Do you, as a GM, use that player emotion in the game? Do you all of a sudden start kidnapping kids in the game just because mama bears at the table, hoping that her character, hoping that the player is going to take her character into you know the caverns to go try to find the children? Yeah, I've I've played with uh, a couple. Who and the woman was? They had a kid, a like really young baby that was really young. It, Brian, you played with them, and it was oh yeah. It's it's funny because the th- the thing that makes me rem- remember it is uh, they'd bring the baby, and it was like a month old, right? And, this, yeah. and it would sit there, and it would sit there and fart like this baby <laughs> would, would crack like adult. <laughs> level farts and i would hear it and i'm like is nobody else hearing this <laughs> is that apricot but it's like the the atmosphere that um that was at that table was it was really weird i don't think it was really weird i think it was okay with because i think because they it, were cool with it they were a couple and they were they were pretty hardcore D D players like i could tell they were pretty cool with stuff like that even though the campaign wasn't like awful like well, just blatantly like well yeah i'm not saying that 
women with kids can't play D&D. That's not what right. I'm saying at all. What I was asking was, if there's a hot-button topic, something that someone gets really emotional about, uh, kidnapping was what I used, it yeah. could be any other you know situation, um, where maybe that specific topic touches very close to home for one of the players, and it makes them uncomfortable in the game. Get Phobias, that kind of thing. Maybe, just, possibly. Yeah, typically through the tulips, like someone lost a brother, and then like someone loses a brother in the campaign. But that's, or, it, what do you if, do if a then? GM takes five minutes to describe all the creepy crawly spiders that are covered in this room, or let's say you're let's say you're trying to role play the scene from Indiana Jones where the chicks got to reach into the snakes, or the where the chicks got to reach into the hole to grab the lever, and there's yeah. all the bugs in there, and you're just taking a few minutes describing all the bugs, and there's somebody at the table who's got a problem with bugs. They're going to start getting creeped out. And oh come on! If you That's knew cool. that about them, are you doing that on purpose? Yes. Is that a, <laughs> That's bugs. Though. Is That's that not a good, like, like your son got is murdered? That a good, <laughs> <laughs> Unless your son got like eaten by like bugs, bugs. <laughs> and died from it. Your like. son died during Indiana Jones too. No, but let's say that your dad died in an accident, and the last thing that you saw was his like bleeding, mangled body <laughs> covered in bugs. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm changing. The, I'm changing the allegory yeah. here. Come on, <laughs> but this is an everyday thing, though. Like. This isn't just for D and D. You could be talking to somebody out on the street and right. make like a, a off color joke or something, and, and they talk about somebody's like, mama. Hey man, my mom's been dead for five yeah. years. Yeah, okay. something like that. No, but in this case, if you did know that about them, are you using it? And is that a good thing or a bad thing? Is it reasonable to is, use that sort of answer thing? Answer is yes. I think because, I think to some degree it is okay to use that yeah. because uh, I'm not the biggest fan of spiders myself. But that doesn't mean I'm going to get up from a table and run away because there's spiders on it. What I'm saying is, if if something is, if you have touched on some topic that is disturbing someone at their core, if it's something, now that you know, what do you do? Do you just you've spent all this time trying to figure out how this scene was going to play out? Do you now put it behind a curtain and say, okay, this happens, or do you carry on and tell your player to suck it up? Most of the time, when you come out with something like that, and you use that sort of, let's go with something mild, like phobias, like right. arachnophobia or something like that, and somebody goes, oh, I got a problem with that, you just identified your crier. Like, <laughs> you, you, you pulled him out of the group, there he is, he's going to say something. I think, I think it depends on to what degree the person is. It is all about it. extent. I don't know. I just, I, I know is. that's a good way of really like. But I think, I think what, what's reflected here is a difference in the group styles the group dynamics that you play with and what i play yeah with, which is one of the reasons why we're all sitting around the table because all we all come from different places and we're different style gms and whatnot so i think what we, you're reflecting is that you play with three four five six college college age, age dudes men yeah. usually yeah and who you know if are, you're gonna cry not about gonna... bugs you're you're a crier right yeah okay as opposed to myself who I haven't, done, with, it. Uh, I haven't done it for a while, or... but it might be a family-oriented thing, or it might be um, a more role-play-oriented game, something along those lines, where it's more about the story and no mechanics. Absolutely. I think you have a responsibility to know how far you can take it. Like, in the instance where he lost his brother, do you, like, really just, you know, keep on bringing it up, keep on harping? They lost their brother. This is a central focal point of our campaign. Or just something offhanded that happens to where, you know, it 
wouldn't maybe be that big of a deal, you know? Like, I think if the player says something to the GM, you have to take it into consideration. It's like, yeah. It's like telling Batman over and over again that his parents are dead. Like, Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good example. There's obviously like a line of good taste. Yeah. But, but I, yeah. I, I think, though, that, like, you know, everybody goes to watch horror movies, and horror movies go a little bit far to scare you. The point is that yeah. you should, like, get something out of the experience of being scared. And sometimes, for the for the purpose of drama or conflict or whatever, a GM should go a little bit far. It's okay. A, and second of all, we're all aware of the fact it's a game. We're rolling dice. We're creating fantasy and making. It's a game. It, it is a game. But there are people out there who get so deep into their character. You know, if the character might happen to be crying, they might actually be sitting at the table crying. It, I mean, this happens. Yeah. If you've never read a book or seen a movie that made you cry or made you laugh sure. or made you uh, flinch, you probably shouldn't be playing a role playing game. Actually. You should probably see a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or at least get some movies or books or something. Well, yeah, yeah, okay, it's possible. <laughs> if we have any global listeners that All right, media that, are not widely available. That that one got a little heavy. Let's let's go to something a little easier. Dice hits the floor. Pick it up, roll it again. Reroll, Tyler? I think it depends. Um, Reroll it or play it where it lays? I've, I have kind of a mercy rule. Is this Happy Gilmore? You like, don't play it where it lays? Who are you? <laughs> like, if it's if I'm, like, really far ahead and this person is, like, on his last leg, then if he has a six on the floor, I'm letting him keep the six. <laughs> so on a D6, you mean, not on a D20, right? You're just fudging. Sure. I'm just That's lazy. Okay. I'm just lazy. I'm not going to get up to, like, go across the room and look at that yeah, You obviously <laughs> don't believe in the dice gods. If he was supposed to have a six, he'd roll a six on the table, right. even on a reroll. No, re-roll. I just yeah. believe in Nazism. I believe in people being like... <laughs> <laughs> that being... That one's going in the quote book. Yeah, <laughs> right now. that is recorded. Wait, no, wait. <laughs> no, I believe in people. People are more sticklers about the rules sometimes they should be. So, Steve had a funny one here. He said... I'm not even going to pick up the die up. I'm getting a new D6 yeah. Yeah. and rolling it. <laughs> I'm too lazy. Forget it. I, I, because the dice guys obviously said that that die is not supposed to be on the table anymore. Right. Yeah. Honestly, how many of you guys actually play with a set of personal dice <laughs> nah. as opposed to a giant mountain of throw-up dice? Well, that, I, d- I do. That depends. I've got, I've got a bag of dice that are mine, and then I have the community dice that are in like this little chest thing. You guys can have any of those you want. Stay out of my little Crown Royal bag of dice here because these are all mine. It, there's another trope. Does everyone use the Crown Royal bag? <laughs> I think so. They're really useful. Yeah, they really are, yeah. yeah. So, you know, there's not just the dice on the floor. There's what I'd like to call the, uh, we've called over years, the Gilly. Yeah, the Gilmore. Yeah. A Gilmore is, uh, okay, you've got a bunch of stuff on the table because you're playing games. The Gilmore is you roll the dice, it lands slightly on something. Which side is the one that's up, or is the dice like a lot of? So you've got a die that's leaning up against a yes. book it's or like a diagonal pencil or something. Which, which side is face up, or do you need to re-roll it? So usually we call that thing? we call that a gilly, nope. and you re-roll the dice. You, no, you don't re-roll the dice. That's, that's There's a rule for deciding whether the the dice uh, lays as rolled or whether another... you re-roll it again. If you have a dice of the same shape uh, and weight. And you can place it on top of whatever face you think is, oh, is yeah. face up, and it stays there without falling off. The, the the dice stays as rolled on that face. All right. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it, I do. It, it's yeah, slightly do. leaned up if on you the can, edge of a If you've got a D12 leaning against a pencil, and yeah. it's split, it looks like it could be the 12 or the 1, and you put another D12 on the 12, and it sits without sliding off, it's you're a calling 12. it a 12. Yeah. And if it slides off, you try it on the 1, and if it slides off that, you re-roll it. All right. 
That's that's good enough. That's a good one. Here's something with rolling dice and suspicions and stuff. When you're rolling a reg, okay, I guess this only kind of pertains to a, a couple systems. But when you roll stats in like 3.5 D and D or Pathfinder, you generally roll four D six and drop the lowest dice. Well, that's subjective. I mean. First edition, you go through, you're rolling 3d6 in order, you're taking what you got. Yeah. Myself, I prefer point buys because it auto-balances the characters. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) What we almost, what the house roll generally is for almost every campaign we play is roll 4d6, drop the lowest, and always re-roll ones. We always re-roll the ones on on, uh, stats just because... Well, I think that says something about the specific power level that you're trying to accomplish with your characters. You feel weak, extremely weak, if you don't have... I don't really have a problem playing weak characters. If I can get some good social standings, I can play a character that's just... It doesn't really cause a power creep that badly either, honestly. It just makes your character feel more useful. Yeah, it's just a matter of what you're going for with your game. Yeah. It's kind of like a... Tyler, uh, you got one? Let's see. Um, anything protocol? I, anything I, a specific I, I plan so, that like, needs to be followed? When you're rolling dice, especially like two d six, good example maybe hero clicks. Like if you're getting, if you get like four bad rolls in a row, you ditch those dice. Yeah, get them out of here. <laughs> Throw them across like, the room. We say whatever. We say they're cursed dice or something yeah. like that. Well, here, I tell you what, I, I I did a few man on the spot interviews with some people. We're sliding into superstitions here now, and that's fine. But I I grabbed a few people along the way. Um, and I want you guys to hear this, and we'll talk about what they said. I just asked the people uh, about their own superstitions, and this is what we got. What's your name? I'm Anthony. What's your geek? I'm sorry? What's your geek? What's that mean? What do you enjoy? What, what oh, do you board games. Board games? Yeah. All right. Do you have any gamer superstitions? I'm always blue. You're always blue? I'm always blue. All right. Does that help you out anyway? No. Just makes you feel better? <laughs> yes. Right on, right on. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Thank you. No problem. Hey, folks. Hey, to interrupt. Sweet. My name's Dan Worrell. I do a podcast called the Carpe Gym Gamecast. And uh, our next episode we're recording is going to be on gamer etiquette protocol and uh, gamer superstitions. I was wondering if you guys have any superstitions. <laughs> it depends on the game. Okay. Give me a couple examples. Uh, if I'm playing Dungeons & Dragons, it's my dice and my dice only. You don't get to use them. Right, right, right. Okay. I've got community dice if you want to use them, but these dice in front of me are nice. my dice for nice. my guys. Do you, do you separate them by oh, dice yeah. per character? Like, oh, yeah. The blue ones are my warrior and stuff like that, yeah? Yes. All right. That's a good one. I think I have the same one. <laughs> you got something. No, I Never cut the cards. Always shake the dice three times before you throw them. Anything. Nothing? How about you, sir? Anything? No. All right. Well, if thanks. I think it's something like you know, Yeah. Have the dice on your head? No. I know. Nothing? I just said I never cared. What's anything? Anything. Like Dominion, do you, do you ever not buy that one card? <laughs> always drink when you play poker. Do you, do you always put your, put your suits in the same order in your shoes? Yeah, anything oh, yeah, like that. Stuff like that, yes. Because yeah, you're, I don't. How do you play? How do you play any card games if they aren't at least in some sort of order? I separate order? them in a suit. Uh, I don't know. I know some guys who play some Genrami who will never order. keep the cards together. It they never keep the cards together. Because they're gambling. And when they pick up a king... They don't want the guy to know that he's yeah, got well, yeah, it stuck over like here. That, for poker right? like that, I don't Because you're sitting there with a handful of cards, and right. where you put it, and you'll sit there and move it around. You'll draw a card, move it around, move yeah. it around, and then discard the very same in, card. I do that right. in poker and stuff, but for... Sunglasses when you play poker? No. I don't play poker like that. All right. Well, thanks, guys. If you have anything else, let me know. All right. Hey, uh, what's your name? Mike. What's your geek? Uh, magic. Comic Ma- books. Okay, cool. And uh, do you have any gamer superstitions? Anything you have to do or you won't take this card or anything like that? 
I, I personally don't. I'm not a superstitious person, but I working here, I see a lot of people that are. Like, they, when they're buying packs of magic, they don't want me to, some people, most people don't, don't seem to care, but some people uh, want to grab their own packs out of the, <laughs> out of the case. Some people uh, right. will have their luckier friend get the packs for them, pick the packs for them, and uh, basically little things like that. But I, I, I know that no matter what, I do. My packs are probably gonna suck. One or the other, so <laughs> if I could have somebody pick them for me, and they will still suck. Well, then you got somebody to blame. That uh, I do like to blame people. So <laughs> that, that usually it's not a bad idea. I might have to <laughs> might have to start doing that. I was talking to a guy. He said he took a bad luck charm, whatever it might have been, and if he got a bad pack or if he did bad in this round of you know the elimination tournament, whatever, he'd throw the bad luck charm in the garbage can so he'd have something to blame. That's uh, that's not a bad idea. I usually I will sometimes. With every edition, every Magic edition, there'll usually be like one or two uh, of the rare cards that I seem to get over and over and over again, and I'll eventually start tearing those cards up or uh, throwing them out. And I, they didn't give me any bad luck, really, but I, whenever I see them, I get angry, so I throw them out. <laughs> no superstition there, just just uh, wrath. Just wrath. <laughs> good, good. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Thank you. Well, there we go. I got a couple more of those. Uh, We'll break down what we heard already. So we got the guy that was, his superstition is he's just blue. Yeah. He's got to be blue every Always time. Always blue. Now what happens if he's green? Like, he Nothing. just can't get into the game? I no. tell you, I don't have a color, but I know players of, of, I have a regular board game group. I know players who have a color, and we we randomize the order in which you get to pick your color because <laughs> everybody wants to mess with them. Okay. What is your color, Mac? I don't have a color. If you had to we pick right now. So we can green. troll you. What's your color? Green. What's your palette color? I usually take brown. What? Yeah. That's not even a color. It's a color in Ikusa. I take that one. Always <laughs> always Neutral. bet on black. What about you, sir? Green. Wow. It's very green in here. Uh, if there's ever a chance, I, I, I like to be purple. But if Perps. not, I'm usually blue. This is the right. perp. The perpetrator. The purple purpleator. The purple yeah. trader. The purple, purple trader. trader. <laughs> there you go. What's the, what's the McDonald's? The Grimace. The, the Grimace. Grimace, yeah. So then we had uh, then we had the guy who similar to me has his dice and then everybody else's dice. Yeah, he goes a little further than I do with separating them by color. These are my dice. Like these are my dice for my warrior. I can't precious. use like he's precious. Yeah, yeah, he's gone. Yeah, I can't use these with my wizard because they're my warriors. One twenty, I rule them all. Yeah, I can't do that. I really like to use matching dice. I don't. Yeah, actually. I, bu- I like buy dice and sets. You look yeah. up here. I buy dice and sets, but yeah. <laughs> I tend my to have aggro crag dice. <laughs> I tend to have specific dice that do specific things for me. Like, this is my D20 that always rise, rolls high. This is my D20 that always rolls low. That's how I fudge dice. No way. <laughs> You're a lunatic. There are different <laughs> I'm telling you, I've got a, I've got a pair of percentile dice. Don't you have thousands rolls... of dice like I do? I do. Why, why do you care? Why don't you just grab a stack of them and just roll Because these the are the dice that I play with. Wrong. No, there are different... Actual different styles of dice, too, like physical. I'm telling you, I've got a pair of percentile dice that roll odds more than anything I've ever seen. <laughs> and it's not because of me. It's anybody that rolls them. No. no yeah, you're I just so. a crazy person. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> or you have a microwave and know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> dice doll, man. That... We know guys. We know a guy. I, we know a guy. I've played a lot of games for money. And you start seeing things like, for instance... Uh, in some card games I've played, you can cut an, an opponent's deck or you can shuffle an opponent's deck. Shuffle the deck. Shuffle the deck. Yeah. Because that person 
knows how to shuffle their deck very well. They know exactly what cards they want to draw. And though there's a lot of error in the system, if somebody... Me, if you hand me a deck and let me look at it all face up and then have me shuffle it, I'm going to know where some of the cards are. Yeah. I... Not I, to say that you're stacking cards, but you can... You just kind of have an idea. Shuffling's an imperfect like system that, unless you hand it to the person who's not interested but in I'm the saying result. Even, like, that Planeswalker is at least somewhere a third way Right. If you know deck. it's in the like, top quarter yeah, of your deck, yeah. you can make... You can make plays based prob- on what yeah, you've like, I'm probably going to get it in my Basically, we just hand. have a Rain Man here. Coin oh. flips. Tyler has been subject to a lot of my coin flips. I've known guys who have worked for magicians who can palm a card or, or aim a coin flip really, really well. So when, when I flip a coin to, to decide uh, something, I, uh, make, I flip the coin. My, the other person involved in the coin flip has to call it while it's in the air. Before it hits the ceiling, it's going to land on the ground, and it is as it lands. If you want a, if you give me the opportunity to catch it, I'm going to aim it. A, a standard 52 card deck has to be shuffled at least eight times to be truly randomized. It's just statistically how it's just math. Yeah, it's just math. Yeah. yeah. All right. And hmm. there's a number of times I can't remember what, but my uh, a friend of mine knows the exact number of times if you do a perfect pile shuffle. Right. That is a, a perfect uh, one card from the left, one card from the right, over and over and over again. There's a certain number of times that that you do it that the deck will return to its original order. <laughs> Some of those magic guys, like actual magic, like you yeah. know, stunt guys, shuffle their deck. They should play magic. Yeah. And win. Oh, oh, you're talking about magicians yeah, should yeah, play yeah, magic. Yeah. I'll send yeah. uh, I'll send Jeb from postcards in the dun- from from postcards from the dungeon an email. Let him know he's. A and while magician. you're at it, um, send David Blaine an email as well. <laughs> yeah, he needs to start winning type two tournaments up in here. The other, I, I also wear sunglasses like one of the other guys. Uh, yeah. when I'm playing poker, but um, but that's because people really watch your eyes and watch. Oh your yeah, cards. yeah. yeah. Like, I work with a guy who uh, he he. There's a website. Where you can get all kinds of like special effects contact lenses, and he has contact lenses that are black, and they also cover up your whites of your eye. So he just kind pops those in whenever he plays poker. That is a little Gee. scary. Yeah. He'd the, be good on our LARP cast. Yeah, <laughs> the thing uh, we the last person we t- uh, you talked to there on the yeah. was uh, Mike Zanger from the shop. He yeah. talked about how like superstition with buying packs and stuff. Right. I don't know while we were listening to it. Somebody did say we all, most of us play Hero Clicks. Right, you gotta weigh those packs. Feel them packs. You gotta feel those. Like I will take out every single pack and be like, uh, uh, on the other this end, one's got the chase in it. On yeah. the other end of that, I will not. I will pick. I will buy the first pack that I pick up as a superstition. Yeah. Okay, let's go. Let's. Review. I kind of think that's cheating sometimes, but I but I do it. Hey, uh, eventually, Tyler. Let's review your your luck with getting packs. Uh, how how well has that worked out for you? Not too bad. Oh, okay. Actually, <laughs> we're, there's going to be a day when uh, WizKids is like, we got to figure out a way to stop people from squeezing packs and like weighing them. And then well, it's, it's supposedly, if you again. weigh them, they are actually different. So they need to just start Hero weighing Clicks them packs are really bad. Yeah, like, you could seriously yeah. just weigh them and know exactly <laughs> yeah. what's yeah. in it. The other thing is, is they used to do these single boosters. They still do the, do the single boosters, but they package them a little differently. You could easily just like like flip open the top and like put it down a little bit and you could you know exactly what figure it is if you go into any gaming store any walmart target that they sell those single boosters you can see like the like the bowed tops on every right. single one of them <laughs> well here i got a couple more of these let's uh let's listen to this one here too all right so um i'm dan with carpe gm gamecast can i ask you a couple questions yes sir what's your name david Frazier. what's your geek uh 
video games, comic books. All right. Now, we're, we're doing an episode on gamer superstitions. Do you have any? For some strange reason, cannot a game, a, a card with a bend on it, can't use it at all. Got it. So the cards have to be flawless. It, flawless. If they're not flawless, just can't use them. Is that because you're afraid somebody already knows that flaw and will count that card and That's knows exactly what it is? Exactly what I'm afraid of. Huh? I'm afraid that someone, because I would, I'd do it. If I seen a bend <laughs> in somebody's car, I'm. So, so you, would you then play the card and then file it away? Or just know I'm not taking this it's card. It's not at all. <laughs> it's gone. All right, thanks. Yep. Hey, Dan with the Carpe Diem Gamecast. Can I ask you a couple of questions? Yeah. Uh, first off, what's your name? My name's Travis Dudley. All right. What's your geek? Uh, my geek? Probably like Risk, Tactical Gameplay, something like that. Cool. Uh, so board game guy? No, not really. Uh, okay, that's fine. Uh, and the last question, um, on the Gamecast we're doing an episode on... Um, Gamer superstition? Do you mm -hmm. have any gamer superstitions? I have this thing with cards. I uh, I don't touch my cards until all the cards are dealt and the dealer touches it. It's just something that my grandma told me when we were playing Rummy one day, and it's carried on through every card game I play, whether it be like magic, poker, so anything like, like that. Go fish. You're not touching your cards till don't everything's touch done. Touch my cards until everything's dealt. That's and I don't know what it is. I was a little kid. My grandma told me it was bad luck. And since then, it's just, I mean, I'm 23, and I've been doing it for 10 years. It's fairly well, so. Cool, cool. Thanks a lot. Hey, Dan with the Carpe GM Gamecast here. Can I ask you a couple questions? Yeah. Uh, what's your name? Kate Jackson. Uh, what's your geek? Um, I really like board games. So. All right. Um, and we're doing an episode on gamer superstitions. Do you have any? Yes. Um, this is a family superstition about dice rolling. If you change the dice in any way after you roll it, my mom will freak out and just say, you ruined the whole fate of the game. So she kind of has me thinking that as well. You know, he... So you, you can't touch the die after it's been rolled? No. That's, that's messing with fate and you're not supposed to do it. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Um, I also used to play Texas Hold'em a lot and I would play, you know, haphazardly with my poker feeling and that would make everybody so upset, and I would win all the time just because I had a feeling about the cards, and that's how I would play. So, so you're a card Jesus. Well, it ruined the people's strategy, and they got really mad because I had no rhyme or reason to what I did, but, you know, made a lot of money, so that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anything else? No, that's, that's all I can think of. Okay, thanks. All right, so that's the next group. Um, let's see here. We had the guy... Uh, the guy that couldn't look at, couldn't use a marked card of any way. It couldn't have a, a scar on it at all. Throw the deck out. No. The whole are deck? we talking about? Okay, are we talking about just playing cards? Talking about anything. If we're talking about magic, the answer is put them in sleeves, and yeah. it won't matter. Well, there you go. Yeah, and then for regular place. playing cards, you just get a new deck because yeah, you know they're unless they're really valuable playing cards, which you shouldn't be playing with and you know denting anyway. Yeah. Wow. Buck. Okay. Uh, then we had um, don't touch the. Uh, Deck until don't touch your hand. Don't touch your hand until I'm the exact everything's in I'm shuffle. like, give me my card. That's my card. That's, yeah, that's my card. I don't know. No, this is this one's etiquette. This one's almost a rule. I'm a, such a card toucher. Like every single card that comes out, I have to grab it before it even like slides yeah, its full like, path. Is that you're, you're claiming it? Like this one's mine. Yeah, I guess mine. So, yeah, just so like the person next to me isn't just like get confused or something like. I that. swear, I think that's casino etiquette. I think you're really not supposed to touch your cards yeah, until the dealer. Don't they get so. mad? And, and then, then I do. <laughs> Along those lines, you, you had uh, 
Yeah, the uh, the other one was don't touch the dice after they've been rolled. So like the guy who touches that, the dice. Who does every, that? Come on, everybody. Nobody touches the dice. She's talking about you grab the dice on the table and it's not your turn and you're just sitting there rolling dice. Oh, you're talking about just like oh, rolling. Never roll dice never. without declaring what it's for. Yeah. Yeah, and don't touch them again until they need to be rolled again. Roll, That's roll, what she's saying. roll, roll. Oh, oh I just rolled a 20 on my spot check. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. It, 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 you in know in, in D&D, people who just sit there and go and roll a D20 over and over and over again, and you go, hey, could you roll a... And they go, yeah. I do that 20. a lot. <laughs> but, I, I mean, I stop way before it's my stop turn. Stop touching your dice. <laughs> no way. How are you going to not touch them? Also, when you're when you're coming from like a community pile, I've seen people roll dice into other people's dice, and now they can't tell what they rolled anymore. I don't play with jerks. <laughs> no, no, no. Like I I've, I've, I've played tabletop. Back to the Nazism thing. Yeah. I've played tabletop games where you're rolling a whole bunch of d6s at once, right? And somebody will like count out how many d6s they're going to roll, and you grab like six of them, and they're pl- they're sharing dice with the player who's their opponent, and the opponent picks up three dice and rolls them at the other person's six. Wow. Wow. Dude. Got to touch those dice. I got those green aggro crag dice. Yeah, got, got those from Mike O'Malley. <laughs> top of the crag. Acting like a real yeah. piece I got a bunch of bricks of chess X dice. but Sometimes, yeah. you know, you ever seen Ashy Larry? He's got a <laughs> blow on his dice before he rolls. <laughs> yeah, he does. All right. So we've got... Um, Dumb luck. The poker feeling is what she, th- what she said. So just... Uh, it's hard of the cards, no, Yu-Gi-Oh style. No strategy. <laughs> just, I think I'm going to play this. Yeah, I mean, there's something to playing poker against somebody or any like moderately chance based game. Just playing the odds, but in poker the odds are so bad that you kind of need to like hedge based on predicting opponents' reactions, all that sort of stuff. And somebody who says they're playing completely by chance, unless they make it very obvious, I think they're cheating. Like I just think they're cheating. But that's that's because you're not playing by chance. You get five. You get a table full of five people playing poker completely by chance. They've never played before. How do you cheat? Yeah, we're talking well, like it's a perfect. I'm not talking game. about like a casino. I'm, like, I'm just saying. Like calling like eight two, like just because like you have a feeling. Is this like, is this a random thing? Is this kind of like something your brain's is like, hey, I might win this time because I didn't win the last three times. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I don't know. I don't think it has anything to do with like anything premeditated. I think it's just kind of like a by turn thing. Like this time, I'm going to do it with my bad hand. I used to play a game called Versus, which was a card game made by Upper Deck Entertainment. Another card game made by Upper Deck Entertainment at the time was called Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> Never heard of that Yu-Gi-Oh one. Yu-Gi-Oh had a tournament structure that paid out a lot of money, and at every convention I ever went to was played right next to Versus. But every Versus player in the world knew that they couldn't go play Yu-Gi-Oh because Yu-Gi-Oh was the cheater's game. Everybody in that game was cheating in one way. There were actually different tiers of like cheaters. Yeah. <laughs> and they thought up crazy stuff. Every convention you'd hear about the the the, the new cheat, the, the like, new hack, yeah, the 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 new hot tech that somebody got caught with, yeah. or so, I swear there were supposedly internet boards where after somebody won a tournament, the other people would go post their comparative ways for after their tournament. It was like people would. In a tournament in versus, people would build really complex decks and they'd keep it very secretive. And then after the tournament, they'd talk about what they were thinking and why they made the decisions they did. Yu-Gi-Oh! did the same thing, but with how they were cheating. <laughs> and they made it public so you could improve on it and think of improve new and better ways. Is there going to be like a, next gr- a group of MIT students who just like play Yu-Gi-Oh! now and cheat? <laughs> <laughs> you can't exactly card count, though. So, yeah. yeah. All right, so I got, uh, I got one more, I think. It better be a doozy. I think one more here. Let's see. 
Hey, I'm Dan Worrell with CarPGM Gamecast. Can I ask you a couple questions? Yeah. Uh, first off, what's your name? Rebel. What's your geek? Video games. And do you have any gamer superstitions? Yes. What are they? Whenever it comes to playing with Seabass, it doesn't matter if it's with cards or dice. If he needs the outcome, it happens. All right, so this guy called you out. Your name, everybody calls you Seabass. Oh, I'm feeling it. Now, I talked to him, mm-hmm. and he did not mean it in the way that you're a cheater. He meant it like you're a randomizer Jesus. If you need a 20, you roll a 20. If you need a specific card in Magic, you need a specific. You get the specific card. Now that being said, how do you feel about the dice Jesus, dice devil concept? Randomizer Jesus. Can I? Uh, <laughs> can I have a little retort here to, sure. to what I just heard? <laughs> I know this person who just said that quite well. He called me out, and I will tell you something about what he said. A. I'm not a randomizer, Jesus. I'm just better than you. (laughs) (laughs) B, I know how you play, and when you make dumb decisions, I'm going to make the right ones, and it just seems like luck because you can't figure it out. Ooh, calling him out. (sighs) Sudden man. I will take you down at any game, any time. This is the throwdown. I'm throwing down the gauntlet. Rebel, if you're listening to this podcast. Brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, brother. Yeah, Next Sunday night. Down. I'm pretty sure you're having a League of Legends tournament now. Okay, I might lose that game. Because <laughs> <laughs> you right. can't randomize the League of Legends. I will... And he's been playing a little more than I have, so, you know. <laughs> like, hold <at> on. All. <laughs> I will yeah, say that. He totally um... just called me out for no reason. He's You're bad. You're bad. <laughs> <laughs> I really honestly don't think that's what he meant by it, but... That still brings up. The but that's what I mean by saying that. When you're the GM, you've got that guy that always rolls a twenty. Do you just assume he's cheating? No. It's he's a, good, it's and you're nice. bad. Yeah, yeah I because will say that he, I have the worst luck in the world. I'll say that. So and you're it's a funny. nice devil. Because the GM for my game when I was younger, I, I don't want to say when I was younger, not too long ago, he has he he rolls more confirmed critical hits than I've ever seen. Uh, and this is actually him. Let me uh, let me play this one for you. Hey, Dan with the Carpe Gym Gamecast. Can I ask you a couple questions? Yeah, sure. Uh, first off, what's your name? Uh, Kurt. And what's your geek? Uh, my geek is a lot of things. I mean, I grew up playing D&D, and it's evolved into a love, general love of fantasy and sci-fi. Uh, now it's just kind of, you know, broadened into a lot of things. Cool, cool. We're doing an episode on um, gamer superstitions. Do you have any? Um, gamer superstitions. Um, thinking back, uh, like, uh, when I was in my D&D days, I remember always setting my, uh, dice out, and I would set, like, a 20-sider to where the 20 was always on top, or, like, a 10-sider to where, like, the, you know, the 0 was on top, or an 8-sider with the 8s on top. Getting them used to it? Yeah, you know, (laughs) well, like, you know, hopefully, you know, the idea being, uh, over time that they'll, you know, just weigh down just that little bit and maybe roll 20s more often. <laughs> Probably not, but... <laughs> the only time will tell on something like that, right? <laughs> yeah, one can hope, right? All right. All right, thanks, man. Yeah, no problem. So there you go. We touched on that one before. Yeah, microwave and dice. <laughs> well, you know... Don't here, microwave nothing on the on the table? And here, a, here, hold on a second now. There's, there's in an old window, Yeah. an old plate glass window... It's been there for 40, 50 years. 
the top of that glass is thinner than the bottom of the glass. That is a fact. If you've ever dealt with that type of a, an old wood sash, old window, that stuff settles. Glass so, is a fluid. It's just an extremely viscous fluid. So the theory is with the dice that if you keep the the big number up on top, that eventually gravity is going to pull it down and flatten it out. The you're way saying they, you you you're saying speed it up with a with a microphone. The way they make dice these days, it is not typically a fluid, but there are ways that you can heat it up. That certain elements, uh, the paint, some of the plastic on the outside, some of the wood cork, whatever you have, uh, sometimes it's other stuff on the inside, can be made to to so, sag. You can do. I swear, you can on a that? hot enough day with the right window, you can put it on a windowsill on a, on on with the twenty up, and it will it will skew the odds. I'm not saying you're going to roll a twenty every time, but it skews the odds. It's a conspiracy theory. This dude is freaking out over here. No, Mike, go microwave a dice. No, you will likely start my microwave. You will likely start a fire, but <laughs> what? No. Now I've heard of I've heard of people punishing their dice by throwing them in the microwave. I, f- I just throw yeah, my dice is, across the room. It's I've much punished easier. my microwave by throwing dice in my microwave. <laughs> you smack a d twenty with a hammer because no. it. I once lit a tied it to a firework. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? You ever punish your dice? Yeah, they you, deserve to be punished. They just get tucked away where I don't even remember where I put them. <laughs> you That's you punish gross. you punish dice by just leaving them wherever they are, yeah. right? You're just in the corner. I, I, I usually punish dice by putting them in the community box and making other people use them. <laughs> now, you deal with that. It's like being donated. <laughs> I don't want you anymore. Now, for all my suspicion about cards, I don't think that I... I roll my own dice because I like the way they look. I don't I don't have dice that roll particularly well or particularly badly. I don't get rid of dice when you they You kind of have bad luck, to be honest. I, I think I have middling to low luck, but I play like I have middling to low luck, yeah. so it's like I'm hedging. I I I think I'm kind of universally known as the guy who has good luck, like unnatural good luck. That's what that's what that's the what Rebel, Rebel was saying. saying. He wasn't trying. So you to, just got good no, luck. No, 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 no. Rebel, <laughs> I'll tell you right now, <laughs> Rebel is just bad. All right. So I think we've we've hemmed and hawed enough. I think we've uh, we've pulled enough episode out of that this was, episode. Hee haw! Got enough of that. Uh, I've got a I got a treat for our listeners. Okay. We're sponsored by our local gaming store, Heroic Adventures. Say. <laughs> I don't think we've ever actually announced it because they've not been involved. We've still been trying to get our feet underneath us and everything. We've been supporting them. We yeah. have. Every episode. They don't even know. <laughs> we have like, been. What's going Silent on? supporters. I will, though, say one of the coolest experiences I've had in a long time was I went. I usually go every Wednesday to get my comics, and I walked in one Wednesday, and over the PA system, they were playing our podcast. Nice. Yeah. So, we're sponsored by Heroic Adventures in Edwardsville. It's one of the Fantasy Books Incorporated stores. Uh, our, our local game store is Heroic Adventures. And, uh, it's they at, rock. It's at 1005-1007 Century Drive in Edwardsville, Illinois. Uh, if you guys are in, interested, if um, you want to look them up, it's fantasybooksinc.com. And um, I talked to Drew, the manager at the store, and asked him about possibly donating a prize for a contest that I wanted to have for the listeners. Some candy, you know. Now, the contest is, I want uh, I want to throw this out there to all the listeners. I want you to shoot us an email of your best gamer superstition, your dice punishment, your etiquette protocol. Give me your best story based on the topic matter of what, what we uh, covered today. Something I want to laugh. Lines. You hear that? I want to laugh. 
Right. Just send us your best story to dan at carpegm.net. You can find it on the website. And we'll do this, uh, I guess I guess we'll say a month from the release date. We'll make a decision. So maybe, three weeks from you hearing that, when you're hearing this? Maybe two, maybe two episodes down the road. Maybe we'll... Um, How about next episode we give you an update? About the incoming ones, and Absolutely. we let you know a final final date, and then we'll uh, we'll we'll all vote and decide who had the best one, and then we'll send out uh, send out the prize, which is a doozy. <laughs> this is uh, this is the uh, Legend of the Five Rings board game, Ninja Legend of the Scorpion Clan. Now this was uh, 2011. I think it got released in in 2011 at Gen Con. The way it works is. You can. It's for two to four people, and somebody, a couple of people are the Lion Clan, the people that run the castle. So one person is the ninja, and if you've got the third or fourth person playing, then the one person is a traitor. So it's a competitive game. It's, it's I think made it's by AEG, right? It's made by Alderac Entertainment Group. And we yeah. uh, we reviewed Thunderstone recently. We also did. Made by the same oh, yeah. I like that. I like that. I haven't been able to look at the game. I haven't opened it, it or anything. It looks so big, though. It looks yeah. like it's got... It's a, it's, it's a good... It's you want this. Yeah, you it's want this It's a $55 game. game. Yeah. It, is it is a $55 game. It comes is, with... Um, it's a free game. It's free. It's, it's a game. It's a game. It's and free. It's free. It's it a comes, game. It's free. Just do this. It's so big. It comes with over two dozen. Big old box. Comes with more than two dozen miniature figures, four pads of secret maps, 58 playing cards that delineate each player's valuable actions, and a full color map. Listen to all that, guys. How could you say no? All you have to do is just cook up a superstition. Come it does on. sound like the 50 cent board game, the 50 cent board game though, because you either have to become a ninja or die trying. <laughs> and Jeez. do all your banking online <laughs> like 50 cent does <laughs> is he the one that's selling joan rivers drugs in those commercials now <laughs> so if you guys can send us if you guys can send us the best uh gamer if you guys can send us the best uh gamer superstition or dice protocol or whatever then we'll send you the game free game now if this is for continental u.s people because we're paying for the postage if it's somebody in china happens to listen to our podcast and wins this thing you want to help us out on postage we'll get it to you yeah just call us or no just email us yeah shoot us an email we'll we'll work something out all right and uh i may be able to secure something for the uh, runner-up if we can get a second one possibly from drive through rpg or something yeah i heard that we might have some yeah we might be able to get a little something from there so send them some like old hero clicks i don't use anymore yeah, and some socks. Yeah. <laughs> I love socks. I, th- I think we'll go with the game for starters. I can we'll send them a s- mint stack of unread comics that I haven't got to yet. <laughs> that'd be a good one. We'll start with we'll start with uh, with the game and see how that goes. But folks, this really looks like a great game. I I've seriously considered st- stopping recording the podcast just so I can keep the game. I wanted it, and I still want. I'm thinking I'm going to submit to the contest. <laughs> you can't win, bro. It's an anonymous user from Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> All it's right. Just like okay, so, somebody won the game. We're going to announce who it is, and it's Seabat Brian. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, with that being said, I really hope to hear from you guys, Dan at CarpeGM.net. Send me your entries. I'm taking anything. We'll just go ahead and call this one. Thanks for joining us. This has been the Carpe GM Gamecast. I'm Dan. 
I'm Steve. I'm Tyler. I've always been Brian. And I'm newly Mac. It's nice. And remember, support the hobby. Support the industry. Support your local game store. Support Bane. <laughs> Carpe GM Gamecast is presented under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License Version 3.0. For further discussion on this topic or just about anything else, join our forum at carpegm.net slash forum. To contact us with questions, comments, and other feedback, please send your emails to dan at carpegm.net. We'd love to hear from you. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook slash carpegm.net or follow us on Twitter at C-A-R-P-E underscore G-M. Thanks for listening.